Farmo serce z Uma na All right, so, so well, we're middle of the, uh, the second letter. Um, and again, just to recap our story so far. Our story so far is uh, we have this, this, uh, this man, his name is Benyamin, who's writing a letter to his friend Naftali. All the problems, the complaints he has with Yiddishkeit. And, uh, and you know, Yiddishkeit is not, it's not uh, living up to the ideals that... Uh, you know, that the, that, that the world is, uh, you know, the, the, the ideas that were becoming very popular, the humanist ideas, you have to be cultured and science and all that kind of stuff. Yiddishkeit, you know, because of the Torah, we're all busy with, you know, the, the nuances and this. It's not negative. Um, he understands that something, okay, this is his question. So letter two, first of all, I've heard just last week, it was a, a nice little piece, just really just, you know, challenging the premise, the premise that religion's goal should be to promote happiness and perfection. It's like, okay, those are very, very subjective standards. You know, you could, there are things that make people happy that are clearly very bad. No one would think that they're good things. No one would think that giving drugs to a drug addict is somehow is going to make them very happy, right? That somehow that's, uh, that's an ideal, that that's something which is positive. So, uh, so, you know, so just the idea that somehow, you know, your standard of happiness or the standard of happiness that happens to be in vogue with today, right, is what we should pursue is like a joke. And this is like a general critique, right, that we always... We always like to stim, you know, it's always like it's an ironic thing, it's an amazing thing how, you know, reformed Jews or liberal Jews, you know, their understanding, somehow it just happens to be that the Torah stims exactly with their modern sensibilities of what's right and wrong, you know, like Tikkun Olam somehow conforms with every ideology that in 2022 some, uh, some 16-year-old autistic girl made up, you know what I mean, like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the idea that somehow we should have this subjective flailing around is ridiculous. Okay, but he says, I'll show, on the bottom of page 14, if you want to follow inside, um, but I shall omit all these questions. Let's put aside the yardstick with which to measure and first obtain an idea of, its, of the object that we wish to measure. All right, let's forget about the yardstick. Let's forget about, you know, what Yiddishkeit is supposed to do. You know, some sort of third, you know, standard, some outside idea, right? Um, we have to measure Yiddishkeit by this standard, by whether it's happiness or perfection. That's an outside standard. Let's put that aside and first obtain an idea of the object that we wish to measure. Let's first see what is Yiddishkeit, right? This idea that we're going to use other things in order to measure Yiddishkeit is one that Rav Hirsch, you know, uh, he talks about a lot, right? We have to know Yiddishkeit as it appears in its history and its, and its teachings. You know, in the 18th letter, when like, you know, whole critique, you know, the Maranavuchim and or, or the way people understood the Maranavuchim, we'll get to that in Metzisham. Um, the idea that you should take a Greek philosophy and try to understand Yiddishkeit through the language of Greek philosophy, you know, he says that's, that's, that's a mistake because it's going to end up being distortion. Even if it's useful, sometimes it's useful. It's useful to think of things, you know, in modern terms and in contemporary terms. But ultimately, we have to try to understand Yiddishkeit on its own. What is Yiddishkeit? Don't try to match up, you know, Rehurst says that to call Yiddishkeit a religion is ridiculous, right? They call it a theocracy, right? It's a theology. Theology is the study of God. You're not studying God. It's your, Yiddishkeit is not about God. It's about you. There's so many things that Yiddishkeit is not, right? And we're comparing it to all these other things. It's not a law. It's not a religion. It's so much a Yiddishkeit. We're a nation. We're a tyrant. It's, it's something which is so, you know, Rav Hirsch says it's beautiful by, by Shavuos. You know, he says every Yom Tif has a mitzvah. Right? That's associated with it. You have a matzah, you have a sukkah, a lulav. These mitzvahs are meant to, to symbolize ideas. Right? We eat matzah. This is the lechemayni, the sukkah. Every mitzvah has some sort of symbol. A shayfer and fasting. Shavuos does nothing. Right? There's no mitzvah on Shavuos. Right? This is nothing. Right? We eat cheesecake, whatever. There's no, there's no actual mitzvah. And he says, Shavuos, the Yandavah Kabbalah Satayra, 
anything we would do to symbolize Torah would be taking away from what the Torah is. The Torah is, is, is life, it's, it's so all-encompassing, it's so above and beyond any description that you're gonna, anything you're going to do to try to like symbolize somehow Torah is going to be minimizing the Torah and, and distorting what it actually is. You can't, there's no word for it. It's, 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 it's life itself, right? So to, to sit there and try to understand Yiddishkeit by these other standards, it's like a big mistake, you know. You know, we'll talk about later on, again in the 18th letter, where Hirsch's view on Kabbalah. And it's an interesting discussion, this, this year that was just Nefter, Shlaim Danziger. You know, so he, he uh, you know, he had a very famous back and forth with uh, Rabbi Elias, the one who uh, wrote this, uh, put out this 19 letters. You know, about the purchase you want Kabbalah. But, you know, but from Rav Aaron Lapiansky, back to the old, the old series, you know, he says, he says the, the, the Maral, he says what, what the Maral did is he created, a, you know, a, a vocabulary that was, it's the Jewish vocabulary. And that's kind of what Kabbalah was, right? It was, we're not taking other people's, you know, language and, and philosophy, like the Rishayim, the Sadia, and all these, they were they were trying to present a f- framework for the, its times and presenting Yiddishkeit in, in kind of these Greek philosophical terms, the Arvla, right? This was Kabbalah was was a uniquely Jewish, you know, worldview. It was the Jew, you know, what I mean, it was the Ramban, you know, refreshing. He wasn't the Ramban. It's that same idea, you know. The the Rav Lichtenstein, he he once uh, they once asked him, you know, what what he thinks is the most greatest sefer ever written, you know, obviously after the Torah, you know, if he's on an island, and he could take one sefer. What's the greatest sefer that was, you know? So he said, you know, and you would think he was a brisker, you know, you think the Rambam. He says, the Rambam, obviously the Rambam was amazing, right? The Rambam was great, and the Rambam, Nisha Torah, no one else could have done as good of a job. But other people could have and would have done it, right? We have the Rif, we have Rosh, we have other Rishonim that wrote Halachas. May not have been as good as the Rambam, but okay. He was a genius and Seder, fine. He says, but the Ramban, Ramban looked at the Torah and created so many things that we take for granted. We think it's like, a major, it's, it comes from the Ramban reading the Torah on its own, without comparing it to other things. So it's a very pure, the Kuzriyosa of her says it's very similar. It's, it's, a, it's understanding Yiddishkeit on its own terms and not as it measures up to something else. Again, it's important sometimes. Especially we live in a, in a, in a, in a world and you know, we have to try to, under, you know, and, and naturally we're going to try to think of things, right? How does the Torah compare to the Constitution? How does Yiddishkeit compare to Christianity? Right? It's a natural thing to compare. And, and, but, but recognizing that you should never judge the Torah by some outside standard. Judge the Torah by the way the Torah, see what the Torah itself says about what the Torah is supposed to be. You say, a religion should promote happiness and perfection. That's what you say. Let's see what the Torah says that the Torah should be. Maybe the Torah has a whole different definition of, of you know, so that's the, that's the idea. In the process of studying Judaism, perhaps our thinking about the purpose of man will undergo change, and we may arrive at a different criteria for the existence and purpose of nations. Right, well, well, right? But we must first acquaint ourselves with Yiddishkeit through the source which it itself offers, the only documentation and evidence about itself that it has salvaged from the wreck of all its other fortunes. The Torah, right? This is it. You want to understand Yiddishkeit, you must understand the Torah. You, not, you have to read the Torah, because the Torah is Judaism's founding document. It is what, the, you know, it is, it is our book. It is written by Hashem. It is about, and it's also, the point here is, it's about our history. If you want to understand what the purpose of Judaism is, why are there Jewish people? What's the idea? Well, the Torah actually tells us. It's a whole story, and the Torah is telling it to us. And so this is what the Torah wants us to know about ourselves. There's a whole lot of other stuff that the Torah didn't put in, right? Through 3,000 years of history that was left out, right? And through the Torah, we must attain also an understanding of our Israel's destiny, for it's not Judaism and historical phenomena, and it's not the Torah the only true account of its origin, of its first appearance on the stage of history, and of its existence for a considerable amount of time afterwards. So he's saying here something very important. And I remember when I first started learning of Hirsch and Eretz Yisrael, and I started telling this to a friend of mine, you know, you know, 
he was very mad, and he was like, you know, Kfira, you know, one of those, you know, we're young, 21-year-old uh, hotheads, Kfira, right? Um, so what he's saying here is like this. He's saying, the very first thing is very important. Judaism, right, is an historical phenomenon. In other words, Hashem creates the world. And when was the Torah given? Right, so if you count, if you make the Cheshvah according to the Gemara, it was the year 2,448. So we leave Mitzrayim, that's when we get to Torah. Right, so there's almost two and a half thousand years. There's no, there's no, there's no religion, there's no nation. So, right? Shem creates an Adam. There's a thousand, ten generations, there's a Nayach. There's ten generations, there's an Avram. And there's a story here. Something happens. Something happened in the world. Uh, there was a development in history that led Hashem, Kaviyachot, to say, okay, I need to create the Jewish people. Right? This wasn't day one. This is, you know, it's not built into the world necessarily that there's going to be a nation called the Yidden. Right? It was a development through history. Right? Now, you can understand why a guy would be, you know, you grew up in yeshiva and you, and you, you hear things like the, ter- the world, right? And uh, Hashem, you know. So we, we have to understand what that means in Rav Hirsch's world, what that means. And, and, you know, but, but the basic idea, let's just say quickly, is that in Rav Hirsch's world, everyone should keep the rest of Hashem. If Torah is what Hashem wants people to do, then everyone has to keep the will of Hashem. Not Jew, non-Jew. There's no, there's no exceptions. The fact that Hashem had to create, right? So when Hashem created the world, was Bishvil HaTayra, yeah, but the, ter- the idea that there should be a nation called the Jews, right? this is something that Hashem didn't put in originally, but it happens. Yeah, there's something happens, generations are deteriorating, Mabel, there are Flaga, Kain and Hevel, right? there are things that are happening which, which caused Hashem to look at Avram and say, okay, I'm going to make a nation out of this man. His son, Yitzchak Yaakov, he makes a treaty with them. Yes, the Ratzon Hashem was that the, that the world should keep his Ratzon. Why does Hashem make a nation? What's the idea of the nation of Yiddishkeit? That is the phenomenon that Hirsch says, says, yes, Hashem's Ratzon was that everyone should keep his will, and ultimately it's the Yidden that are going to be those people, and so it turns out that when Hashem created the world, it was Bishvili Yisrael. But, but there is something happened, there are events that took place that led to the creation of the Jewish people. Again, it, this is Rav Hirsch. Uh, you know, if you have different, you know, there are different perspectives, certainly, you know, and, uh, and uh, again, e- even like the Mekubalim that talk about, you know, there, there was a certain point where Adam represented all of humanity that represented everyone, right? And then maybe things change, and then, right, then Derech Hashem, you know, I'm not, I'm not versed in there. Again, Rabbi Yaman could, uh, could give the, uh, the response, you know, the State of the Union response with, uh, with there are, and there are other perspectives. There's no question, right? There's no question. And this idea may not be universally accepted, but again, this is the Rav Hirsch's view is that Klai was a development of history. Something happened, and there's a reason that Hashem needs to create a nation called the Jewish people, right? Beforehand, it wasn't, then it came. And Hashem gives them his Torah, and now you're the only one. Everyone else has seven mitzvahs, and they're, what happened, right? And so if you want to know what happened, well, then you have to read history book. But there's only one history book that's sanctioned by God as the history book, right? This is... Right, this is the history book of the Jewish people, right? Which is that? Which is what? This is the Torah, right? For Judaism, not a historical phenomenon, as, and it's not the Torah the only account of its origin. This is it, right? You can read other, you can find archaeological evidence, but that's not what the religion, right? It's like if the founding father, right, this is like you know, in the Supreme Court, they have these originalist judges, right? They want to. This is the idea now. This you want to understand the, the the Constitution, the way it was understood at the time of the thing, right? So one of the books that they'll use a lot. Is something called the Federalist Papers, right? These were written during while the, 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 the Constitutional Congress was happening, right? Then everyone was, you know, fighting. The states were sh- were fighting if they're going to ratify the Constitution. So Alexander Hamilton and uh, what Madison and, and the other guy, uh, John Jay, maybe was it Jay? I don't remember. We'll have uh, Mati. If Mati listens, the, the lawyers will, uh, will will tell me who it was. What? 
it was Adams? I don't think it was, maybe, right? And they wrote all these, these series of articles in, in, uh, in newspapers in New York to try to convince them to ratify the Constitution. You needed it, right? And, uh, and so when they're discussing things like the Second Amendment, right? And they say, oh, this is why we have to have you know, the right to this. Or, you know, even though the, 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 the Bill of Rights was later, right? But the documents that these people are writing explaining why they're doing things, well, that makes, right now, when you want to try to understand the Constitution, you have to understand it in that context, because this is what the people, the Torah is the, the founder of the religion, Hashem's version of, of history, right? So this is, this is what Hashem wants us to understand about the development. A million events happen, and if we would be writing a biography of Avraham Avinu, let's say, right, we would probably come up with 5,000 reasons why Hashem chose Avraham Avinu, right? We could see all the stories, right? We have what we have, we have uh, 200 sukkah about Avraham Avinu, right? A million things happened in the world. There were terrible things that happened in the world, right? But, but the Torah tells us the flood was for this reason, and this was because of this reason. The Torah is very clear about what the reason is, and, and tells us the development of Yiddishkeit, how and why it happened, right? And, uh, right? So the Torah, not the only account of its origin, of its first appearance on the stage of history, and of its existence, for example, right? So the Torah tells us how we found it, and then, of course, throughout the Midbar, and then we have a Navi, which is also Ruch HaKadosh, which tells us the next thousand years, up, up until the, the Binyan Beis HaMikdash, the second Beis HaMikdash, right? It's all there. This comes from Hashem. This is our Svarim, right? And so, if you want to understand what is Judaism, we have to read the book, the, the, the basic handbook. I mean, this is it. You can't start judging it by other standards. And you think, oh, you know, we have to, it's all about, uh, you know, uh, intellectual whatever, because... It, it's all about the science. It's all about building. Well, that's your standard. That's your value system. And now you're trying to see whether the Torah measures up. You can't do that. And if from the cradle of this nation, right, when, the, when we were born, in the, the beginning of Kaisel, in contrast to all others, voices can be heard. Voices that disclose the purpose of this people. If you can listen to the Torah, read it, right? For the sake of which it enter the arena of history. Why, why does Hashem bring the Jews into the world? And with which the course of his destiny is bound up. What's our purpose? Should we not listen to these voices and let them help us evaluate this nation's destiny? Right? The old problem with Yiddishkeit, Yiddishkeit is terrible, outdated. Well, what is Yiddishkeit for? Let's, let's figure out why we're here. And maybe, maybe we're actually not that terrible. Maybe by the standard of what Yiddishkeit is meant to be, we're doing pretty good. As for the teachings of Judaism, the Torah, written and oral, is anyway our sole source. Because he also complained a lot about the Torah. All the mitzvahs and all the things, he's like, well, then you have to read the Torah, right? You could, history, you could maybe finagle a way through it by reading other, you know, uh, other histories. But the Torah, if you want to understand the Torah, the only book to read is the Torah, right? Written and oral, that's very important, right? And, and we'll get to this later, but in a Hirsch's world, the Torah Shabbat is not Torah. When we talk about Torah, it's Torah Shabbat Peh, right? Torah Shabbat was given to help us remember the Torah Shabbat Peh. Right? And you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, you know. Rav Hirsch says, like, think about the Parshas Mishpatim. I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, right? The Torah, we start the Torah of the Mitzvahs, right? He's sick of every Sheshem Yavid, right? And then if you marry her, right? It's a Yid. He says, do you know how many thousands, thousands of halachas you need to know before you can read that first Parshas of Kisik and I mean, you have to know how to make a Kinyan, right? What's a thief? A ganif, buying, selling, what is an Eved? What are the dinam of an Eved? You marry an Amma, then you marry her. Well, we got to know the time of Sethna's Kedushin. We have to, right? There's a thousands of halachas. That is what makes up the Torah, right? The details of every, right? Tayag mitzvahs also. Rav Hirsch is not into the Torah. It's like the, the famous Vilna Gain, right? Tayag mitzvahs, the Rishonim and Gainim were very busy with it. But we have to, we have to kind of take, stay away from this, like, that rigid, this is like a mitzvah. There are important ramifications, la about Tayag mitzvahs. But in general, there, there's, there's millions of details of halacha, which we have to, which we have to recognize, make up the Torah. Had every day-to-day transaction. This is all part of the Torah. And that's Torah Shabbat Peh. 
Torah Shebechsav, he says, like, imagine you go to like a lecture and you're trying to write down, right? So you can't write down every word. Right? Nowadays, you know, we have these softwares to transcribe, whatever. But you do is, you write down like the Rashi Prakim and then you're like, you'll make an arrow point to something and you'll make an underline or you're bold. These little, little things are meant to remind you, right? like a Gezeri show, right? Like you make, you know, he says one point and like later in the series he said another point. So like you make a, you know, make like a, a little star to point to it, right? That's a Gezeri Shava. It was meant, it was like the notes of the shear and the shear is a Tarish Shabbat so again, it's going to be very important to read Tarish. He says, you're going to read Tarish Sav. He says, you're going to be completely distorted, right? It's like, you have no, right? It's like, you know, we were just taking this morning in Yavamis, right? It says, Mesech is Yavamis. So it says, right? it says that the, 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 the brother marries the Yavama. The firstborn son that's born should be named after his dead father, right? That's not true. Right? That's not true. I mean, right, not true. Well, you know, Boyaz does a kind of Yibam Rus that says he's going to be making shame, and he names his first son Oyved. He doesn't name him uh, Machloin, right? He says, the, the Torah says, doesn't mean that they'll have a firstborn son. It means that the Yavam is like the Bachar. If you marry your dead brother's wife, you are his like firstborn son. You Yarshin your brother. And when your father dies, you Yarshin your brother's Chalak of your father. The point is, you read Tarsha Bachsav. Makes no sense, right? It's like you're not going to get this. Tarish Shabbat was just a way, you know. So we add a little extra word here, a little extra word there that explains it. That's the that's the idea. So if you want to understand Torah, we need to understand Torah as Torah. You know, we we have a little bit of an issue because, like, you know, we have the, our, our most of our relationship to Torah is okay. We have learning Gemara, but also like verse on the parsha, right? So verse on the parsha tend to stick very much with Tarish Shabbat, right? That's what your verse on the parsha is, right? Rav Hirsch's whole pirush on Chumash, his main matara was to show how Tarish Shabbat peh is contained in the Torah Shabbat Sav. Right? There are a few Svaram like this, right? The, the Torah Tamima, there's uh, the Malbim also, right? It's to show how the drushes of Chazal are actually built into the Torah Shabbat Sav. Because back then, the Reform, yeah, the Christians also have a Bible. Great, the Torah Shabbat Sav, everyone has it, right? Torah Shabbat Peh is what makes us, that's, that's what Yidra, that's, that's, that's what Klai Yisrael is, right? That's Purim, you know, with all the Torah about Torah Shabbat Peh. That's uniquely our Messiah, that is, you know, so, uh, so, uh, so uh, anyway, so if you want to understand Torah, Torah Shabbat Peh is, is, is going to be essential. Okay. Um, okay, let's, let's just read one more point over here. Before we, read, before we open it, however, before we open up the Torah, let us consider how to read it. And again, this is going to be a little bit difficult for us because I don't know how many of us... Well, look, look, you know, we'll get to... The, well, that will be the next point, which we'll probably get to next week. Or two weeks, next week's part, right? As corroboration, right? How are we going to read it? As a subject for philological or antiquarian research, right? Are we reading the Torah? So we can now uh, be able to do, uh, you know, um, archaeological digs, or we can do, you know, uh, we can dig down to figure out how old the world is, and to figure out, you know, the fossil record, and based on what the Torah says, the first day was this, right? As corroboration for antediluvian and geological hypotheses, right? We have all, if we have the Torah, it said, right? So we, we know that the, the theory that's today is that the entire world was one big continent, right? And then it's, then it's spread apart, right? So here we read the Torah, and, and it's true, right? The Gemara says that the Renish came and the world filled up with water, and it could stim, right? I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, he's not machin avek, the idea of collabor- you know, corroborating Torah and science, but that's not, that's, that's, a, that's a cute thing to do if you're working for Asia Torah, right? That's not the point here, right? Torah, the, the idea, that's not the point, right? If you read the Torah and it says that the sun rises, oh, that means the Torah believed that, that's not the Hashem didn't know that the world, that the sun turns and not the earth. Like that's not the, we're not reading the Torah as a, as a history book in the sense of, you know, to start, you know, a, geolo- a geology book, a study of, uh, of physics, right? And the expectation of finding revelations of esoteric mysteries. You read the Torah to hear all the deepest secrets about God? No, we're not, that's not, that's not, that's not, certainly not, right? The Torah is not, it's not the, 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 the book 
it's not, it's, not, it's not the book for Yidin to tell them about God. It's a book of Hashem to tell us about ourselves. Right? There's a beautiful verse of her says, it says, uh, right? He says, uh, he wanted to know Hashem, right? Meisha says, Hashem, show me your, your covenant. So Hashem, what does Hashem, Hashem say? Right? Meisha says, he wants to know Hashem and understand Hashem. Right? So what do you expect? You look up and you look Hashem and you, you try to get the secrets. Hashem says, no. There's a place next to me. Right? You're not, you're, not, you're not meant to understand Hashem. Stand with me and Hashem and look down on the world. Because that's what the Torah is about. The Torah is not about us looking up at Hashem. Right? It's about Hashem looking down on the world. And what does Hashem want from us in this world? That's our perspective. We're not we're reading the Torah to get the deepest secrets about the essence of God and about you know, some geology or history or biology. You're wasting your time. The Torah is... It's, we're reading it as Jews will read this book, as a book tended to us by Hashem in order that we learn about it, from it about ourselves, what we are, and what we should be doing during our earthly existence. That's the point, right? We'll read it as Torah. Literally, what does Torah mean? Myra, instruction, directing and guiding us within Hashem's world and among humanity, making our inner self come to life, right? It's, 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 it's bringing, right? After all, we're attempting to know and understand Judaism. Let us place ourselves within Judaism. And ask ourselves, what kind of people are they who accept this book as God-given basis and way of life? Right? Put ourselves into Judaism. Right? Put yourself into it. Right? We have, you know, it's, it's very popular now. We like to, you know, we like to you know, handle evolution and proving Hashem and proving this. That's wonderful. And if a person's challenged, you should deal with it. But put yourself in this. Live as a Yid. See what it means to be a Yid. See how that affects your life, right? This is a, this is a, the, the Medrash of her says, Halavai, shamaru. says, abandon me, Hashem. Forget about Hashem. Who cares about God? Maybe he doesn't exist, right? Like, if a person says, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe Hashem exists, okay, we have a, maybe, right? That's a, that's a serious matter. But in terms of like, at this world, we don't do anything to him, right? Nothing happens. But if he flicks on a light on Shabbos, we stone him, right? It's, it's live the life of Yiddishkeit and then make a judgment. As for understanding of the scope and content of the mitzvahs, we must approach him in the same spirit as Jews. Same spirit as Jews. Facing our investigation on the oral and written law, you want to know what's pshat in the mitzvahs? Well, then read the details of the mitzvahs. You don't want to give pshat in the mitzvah, but you have a complete distortion of what the mitzvah is. Right? Like, like the example we just gave before, yibum. Right? What's yibum? Right? Marry. It's like a weird thing, right? Well, well, when you read this, stop reading the halachas, and you read the halachas, like the fact that the brother yarshins his, right? That means that what's the brother doing? He's taking over the household of his brother, right? And that's why there's no kedushin, there's a zika, because you're, you're like stepping into his marriage, and your brother died without leaving over a family, without leaving over anything on this world. So you're kind of finishing that job. You, once you understand it based on the halachas, what? <laughs> Chalitza is beautiful. Chalitza, if you, we could talk about it after, afterwards if you want to explain Chalitza. Chalitza makes a lot of sense. It's a beautiful mitzvah. It makes a, a lot of sense, actually. We'll get to, if you want afterwards. We'll, uh, right? At all times ever, we must keep in mind the intent of this entire system. What's the purpose of the Torah? To provide instruction on living. That is what it is. Only after you gain your knowledge about Yiddishkeit this way, after you come to know it as it presents itself, if you should then find it untenable and objectionable, only then you may, may you, if you wish, cast stones upon it. In other words, like we said the first week, you're not an apikairis, you're an, an amaaretz, right? Understand Yiddishkeit, understand what it is, what it's supposed to be, what it's meant to do to you, what it's meant, and then we can start having tainas. And of course, if Hirsch assumes that, uh, that you, you, know, you won't have the tainas if he explains it the right way, but again, very, very important, right? It's like, he has, it's like you know, the, the, you know, like they say, someone came to him with some evolution, right? And he asked him those kashas on Yiddishkeit, 
So he says, these are not kashas, these are terutsim. He says, I don't have terutsim for terutsim, right? It's like, if, if you're just here to just, you know, you're reading the Torah just because you want to challenge it in some excuse not to live, then you're wasting your time. Read, read Yiddishkeit the way it was meant to be understood. Read the Torah the way Hashem wants us to read the Torah. What are we supposed to be? What is life supposed to be about? What does Judaism say about all these things? And then we could see if your questions are still questions or if they just fade away. All right, so I want to